Hi, I'm Graham Mack and welcome to the Pod 20, the definitive countdown of the top 20 podcasts. I'll be talking to pod stars who made the chart and my special guest is Lee Delaney from the podcast Curiosity Cake. I was always one of those curious kids. I had the chemistry set, a microscope, a telescope. I would take my toys apart to see how they worked. And now that I'm a grown-up, I still have that huge sense of curiosity. If you too are an adult who was a curious kid, then Curiosity Cake is made for you. I'm your host, Lee Delaney. Join me as I talk to the best minds from academia and elsewhere to bring you accessible and engaging conversations across a wide range of topics with no prior knowledge required. I'll be asking questions such as, can nuclear fusion become a viable source of sustainable clean energy? Is it possible to create careers that fit our interests and personalities? And how can we know how to eat well with so much conflicting nutrition information? You can enjoy a slice of Curiosity Cake by subscribing on your favourite podcast app or via the website curiositycake.co.uk. All you need is a cup of tea and a fork. Lee Delaney from Curiosity Cake. Coming up, find out what podcasts inspire Lee. The Pod 20 is heard on podcast radio on DAB in London, the home counties, Manchester and Glasgow, on demand in the USA at talkers.com, around the world on multiple platforms and as a podcast itself. Let's get into the chart. At number 20, The Cypher, a great drama podcast, this one. When 16-year-old Sabrina cracks the cryptic parallax, she's recruited to track down a serial killer who might not be from this world. 19. Today in Focus from The Guardian, the podcast that brings you closer to Guardian journalism. At 18, Sword and Scale, the true crime podcast covering the dark side of humanity and human nature. 17. Death of a Sports Star, the podcast that looks at the sporting lives that were cut short. It's put together by Tom Fordyce. Where are you from, Tom? What's your background? So I grew up on the sort of Hertfordshire Essex border. So I was born in Harlow, mm-hmm. which is one of the, the new towns um, that sprung up outside London, the sort of post-war period, and then moved up the road to Bishop's Dortford. And then I've lived all over, really. I lived uh, in Cambridge, in Peterborough, in Cardiff, lived in London for 10 years. I now live in Cheshire, just south of Manchester. Um, and for me, I was always a writer, first of all, before I was a broadcaster. I was the BBC chief sports writer for 10 years. Um, I've ghostwritten books for not only Crouchy, but for Garrett Thomas, the Tour de France winner for Jamie Redknapp, for Chris Gale, the Jamaican uh, West Indies cricketer, Alistair and Johnny Brownlee, the Olympic triathletes, uh, Laura Trott and Jason Kenny. So I've always done sort of majored in writing, but then that gradually developed into broadcasting in my time at the BBC. And I would uh, do pod- I had a podcast about cycling. I would help present Five Live Sports, um, jump up on the Rugby Union Weekly podcast, which is another big podcast for the BBC. And that all led me quite naturally, really, into doing the Crouchy one. So how did you go? How did you get your first kind of start as a writer then? In some ways, I was really lucky, Graham. I was at college and I knew I wanted to be a journalist, but I didn't know any journalists and I had no idea at all how you would get in. And then there was an advert, and in those days it was a, an advert in the media section of The Guardian. So we're going back to about 95 here. And it was, you know, the famous advert that the enemy put out for hip young gunslingers, which is what got Tony Parsons and, and uh, Julie Birchall 
work in front of me. There was a sort of football equivalent of that, which was Match Football Magazine, which is a kids football magazine. A lot of people who, who were into football as kids will remember Match and Shoot. Mm. And they put an advert out for writers and they stipulated you do not need any experience. This is about the ideas you come up with, not the fact that you might have done match reports for the Daily Mirror for 15, 20 years. And the editor was quite an enlightened guy called Chris Hunt, who had come from the fanzine style of the side of the business. He then worked for a magazine called Hip Hop Connection. So quite a sort of edgy, different stuff. And I just had, because I was obsessed with football and I'd read Match and Shoot as a kid, I sent him 10, 12 ideas. He then said to me, look, come on in, try some work experience. He paid me for work experience, Graham, which no one else was doing at that time, <laughs> which meant that I could do it because otherwise, how can you do work experience? I had to go and live in Peterborough. I didn't have money to, you know, to get a bed and breakfast for a week. So he paid me a freelance rate. And then I got on a journalism course at Cardiff, which was one of the original ones, did that for a year and paid for that with the freelance stuff that I was doing for Match. So I would, in those days, it was a fax, crazy enough. It sounds like ancient history, but I would fax in ideas every Monday morning. And then they would go, yeah, do that one, don't do that one. Yeah, like that one, like that one. And I would type them up and send them in. You're in the game. You're in the environment. I I had my my foot in the door, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how did that lead to the work at the BBC? So I worked for Match uh, across the summer of Euro 96, which is obviously massively exciting for football fans. And then, because Match was doing really well at that time, they launched a... Uh, a sort of general sports version of Max Match. Uh, so it was across all different sports. And I was the I was given the writing gig on that. From that, I progressed to features right for Total Sport, which was a adult sports magazine. And then when the BBC were looking to, to bring in some uh, experienced writers to the BBC Sport website as that was developing, I got the shout and joined them then. Um, so I was one of the first ones out of my colleagues who made the jump from print, which was dominant then, into, into new media. And how much of an adjustment was that? Because writing for radio is, or for broadcasting is different to writing for print. Mm. Yeah, it, it was a good transition. It was that, I think some of the fundamentals are the same. I don't know if you agree, but it's that well, structure idea structure of... is exactly the same. You've got to know where you start in middle and, and, and where you're going to end. But just the, the, you don't get the license to use the, the words you could use in print. You don't get the license to do that in broadcasting because if people miss it, they miss it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a different skill, isn't it? But I think if you if you understand, as you say, the structure and you understand how important the intro is and you understand pacing, then you can apply all those things. And it's also that sense of not, I think, particularly with writing scripts for, for broadcasting, it's that sense of not patronising people. Whereas you can, as a writer, you can have your little niche where you can... Um, yeah, you can have your little coterie of followers who are all in on the gag, but broadcasting in, it is, it's a much wider field, isn't it? People don't like to be patronised. People don't like to be talked down to. So it's that ability, I think, you know what you think, that ability to connect with people and not to exclude people. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be one-to-one, but it's got to be broad, yeah. Um, it's very intimate, isn't it? It really is, yeah. It's... Uh... It's. Uh, I, I know some writers who've tried to, to write stuff for for broadcast and and you have to say to them you can't say just the basics you can't say that's adjacent to you have to say it's next to yeah (laughs) Yeah. absolutely yeah it's just really uh which i found it quite easy because i went to radio school in sydney i went to the australian film tv and radio school because i i was an air conditioning engineer so i didn't have a massive vocabulary anyway and they'd go to me oh your copy's really good and that's because i don't know any long words (laughs) (laughs) tom fordyce and death of a sports star is at number 17 this week 
Tom's other podcast, Death of a Rockstar, is doing well too. And Tom will be back next week to talk about that one. Number 16, Off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. Ed and James invite special guests to their magical restaurant to choose their favourite starter, main course, side dish, dessert and drink. The latest episode features the best of 2020, with guests including Joe Brand, Russell Howard and Claudia Winkleman. Number 15, Anatomy of Murder. A murder case has many layers, the victim, the crime and the investigation. To truly understand it, you need to dissect each piece of a tragic puzzle to reveal to you the anatomy of murder. 14. Curiosity Cake with Lee Delaney. What podcasts do you listen to, Lee? <laughs> I think I was talking to someone earlier today about this. I, I, I'm starting to think the Curiosity Cake is a bit of a, um, of a cross between In Our Time and the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, <laughs> So well, it's I long think form it's got, interviews, so it's got the Joe Rogan element to it. Yeah, definitely. it's got the Joe, it's got the Joe Rogan all, thing. All you need like, is a hundred million from Spotify, and you'll be exactly the same. Yeah, well, I think they were telling me it's in the post, so I'm just is it okay? Well, good luck with that. Yeah, well, they've set a precedent <laughs> now. You better tell them it's like the Joe Rogan book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Joe Rogan thing that that sort of bit longer form not quite as long as joe not quite as rambly i don't think um and definitely less of the kind of drug and um celebrities yeah on yeah, it i think yeah. um but then within our time it's kind of similarly jumping to those different um different subjects um but without you know the sort of uh stuff stuffiness isn't a very generous way to put it but you know what i mean it's it's not that very formal academic kind of thing like like you're saying I, i'm just having conversations with people that i come across who are doing interesting things and i could be doing that like in a in a cafe or, or in a pub or something um and that's the kind of tone that i want to get across well it works and it works really well lee lee delaney from curiosity cake the podcast is at number 14 this week on the pod 20 Number 13, No Such Thing as a Fish, the award-winning podcast from the QI offices. 12 is Lore, the podcast about dark historical tales. Each episode explores the mysterious creatures, tragic events, and unusual places that fill the pages of history, because sometimes the truth is more frightening than fiction. At 11, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition from Comedy Central's Podcast Network. Number 10, Armchair Adventures. Andy Smith is from Made by Mortals, who put Armchair Adventures together. Andy, what's your background? Yeah, so uh, personally, I, I'm a musician, a composer. Um, I've always been heavily involved in uh, kind of community outreach work as a musician. Um, so I, that would mean that I'm, I'm writing music with and for people, from communities throughout my career, really. Um, I guess sometimes people have a, a perception of a composer being stuck in a dark room <laughs> with a quill and a piece of manuscript paper. But unfortunately, that's not me. All of my work is about kind of collaborating with people and, and just working alongside people. And in that work, I, I met uh, Paul Hine, who's my colleague at Made by Mortals. He's more from a theatre background, uh, he's a director and writer, and we we worked for a lot of uh, arts and culture organisations throughout the UK and together as a, a composer and theatre maker duo. And 
And after a few years, we decided to set up Made by Mortals and run some of our own projects. And that's that's just grown and grown to, to where we are now, really. Brilliant. And what podcasts have inspired you along the way then? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I've got a bit of a guilty pleasure, which <laughs> yeah. is, uh, a, well, there's two that I like. I like Up and Vanished. What's that one? I don't, I don't know that one. What's that one? It's an, an American uh, podcast. Um, but the, the guilty pleasure I was going to talk about is Hip Hop Saved My Life. Right. Which is, well, it's good if you like hip hop music. Uh, there was a particular episode with Mark Ronson, and I really love Mark Ronson's music. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, to, to be honest, though, as well, I, I've got. I've got to be honest to say that the podcast world has uh, been very new to us. Right. So, because we're, we're a music theatre organisation, so traditionally that's what we would have been doing, uh, creating shows and workshops in, in theatre spaces or in care homes or schools, like I said earlier. And so our digital offer used to be quite, well, quite slim really and and. And if anything, coronavirus has really made us aware of that. So podcast felt like um, an, an obvious way to go. And we explored what the opportunities would be with, with making it interactive and theatrical and, and with sound design. And so we've, we've just been constantly learning about the whole kind of podcast world and, uh, and, and the podcast community. And yeah, like like I say, it's been, it's been like really quick, steep learning curve. With I it bet, all. I bet. But, you know, modern musicians like yourself, uh, you know, years ago, musicians just played instruments and sang songs and stuff. These days, musicians have to be audio producers as well. So yeah, yeah. that side of it would have given you a real head start with, with producing it because the the thing is amazingly well produced. I mean, the, the production standards on it are up there with anything I've ever heard on radio, uh, anything that the you know Radio Four or any of the BBC have done. It the the um, the production values are high, and that must be down to you, is it? Because you're used to dealing with multi-track it, digital recording. Yeah, it is a bit of a team of us, to be fair, because um, my my kind of uh, composition background comes mainly through uh, through orchestral music and mm-hmm. uh, and choral music. Um, so one of the barriers we faced at the start was that we can't record people in the room together at the same time. Yeah. So you have multiple yeah. people, and Zoom was the only way to go. And and obviously we were concerned that we might not get the best audio quality through a Zoom recording. But just through trial and error, and one thing we have got the blessing of this time is like time. You can you don't have to do it in two takes or whatever. You can keep going on until we get it right. So we've had that, and then like you say, I've been learning a lot with uh, kind of music technology with production myself. And then there's a team of us, uh, a guy called James D, who kind of really helps with our uh, the songs in the podcast. Um, he like as a big hand in producing them. And then we have um, a, a sound designer and producer called Susie Dale. And uh, she's from an organization called Story Publishing. Uh, they do do a lot of uh, podcast work. Um, and yeah, they, she's really helped us uh, kind of tell the story 
through sound design as well, uh, which has been like a massive part of the, of the podcast. It sounds like you could make another podcast about the making of the podcast, how the people came together and how it all worked out, because that sounds fascinating as well. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Like a couple of people have said that in the in the last few weeks because it, it is interesting. I guess when you when you're making it, you're just so busy on making it that you don't think necessarily about how that is an art in itself. I guess. Um, yeah. Brilliant. All right, it's called the Armchair Adventures Podcast. It's available where you get your podcasts. And if you want more information, you've got uh, Made by Mortals website. And what was the other website you gave us? So, so the Made by Mortals one, what's that website address again? Yes, yeah, so, so it's www.madebymortals.org. Yeah. And on that page, you'll see the, the there's a heading there, for there's a tab for Armchair Adventures. So just go on there and all the information about the project, the people who made it. It's a really funny How We Made It video. Great. And you get to meet the makers there. You, you'll see the over 55s in all their holiday clubber pretending to to go on coronavirus to go on holiday before coronavirus stops it. <laughs> this is good. It is good. It's Armchair Adventures and it's at number 10 this week on the pod 20. Number 9 is The Happiness Lab with Dr. Laurie Santos. Yale professor Dr. Laurie Santos has studied the science of happiness and found that many of us do the exact opposite of what will truly make our lives better. Number eight, The Missing. This is a Pomodo podcast that looks into the cases of the long-term missing and asks you to help. Episode four is about Andrew Godson, who was 14 when he disappeared in 2007. It's one of the best-known missing persons cases in the UK, and yet there have been no sightings of him. Number seven, Freakonomics Radio. Discover the hidden side of everything with Stephen J. Dubner, the co-author of the Freakonomics books. Number six, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Over 25 years and despite thousands of interviews, Conan has never made a real and lasting friendship with any of his celebrity guests. So he started a podcast to change that. Let's check back in with this week's special guest pod star. It's Lee Delaney from Curiosity Cake. Lee, are we becoming more or less curious, do you think? That's, yeah, that's an interesting one. I'll have to, do you know what? Maybe that's a good episode topic. Um, I, I think by and large, people are getting less curious. You know, I I consider myself very lucky. I was very young. I was five years old when, when I watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon live on TV at about four in the morning or whenever it was. And the fact that they did that made me, you know, I think I was a reasonably curious kid, but I think the fact that they were doing something literally out of this world something completely incredible made me think well you know what what else can happen you know we as kids that was the the apollo space program was a big big deal but then mm. on a sunday evening we'd watch the undersea world of jacques cousteau and then of course we had david attenborough was was omnipresent you know and i wonder <laughs> with the exception of david attenborough whether People are not as curious as they once were about the world around them. Yeah, I suppose there's we have a bit of an information overload, don't we? So it's about like, filtering information now rather than trying to get information. Yeah, and that's and, and that's a skill, isn't it? It's like something <laughs> you've got to really work out. And even, you know, we we've talked a bit about like news and stuff. Like I think it's very hard to find 
like objective news at the minute because everything's coming through this filter um you know that's maybe for you know people blame social media for it and that night don't they but everything seems to be very opinionated we don't get so much of just objective news anymore it's very much editorializing um and again that's something that i try to make sure i steer away from with the podcast of like, yeah. um you know let's talk about the ideas but without necessarily being about what do i think about all these things um but uh, yeah i mean hopefully hopefully curiosity kit kind of helps get people interested in being curious and helps them a good easy way to kind of find all these different kind of topics um so that they can just discover discover new things or discover old things that they knew about but that you know maybe a different angle to um I, i guess we're probably in a bit of a phase where I think it takes us as humanity a while to adjust to things. So like a bit like food where we, we created all of this kind of convenient food and, and we needed it because we entered a kind of time after the war where, um, you know, both parents were out working, you know, the kind of working class kind of exploded, both parents were working. Um, and so we needed quick, easy ways to, to kind of prepare foods. And now we're kind of finding that maybe there's kind of problems with that kind of approach. So you, you've got all the organic movement and things like that, and people trying to go back to, to use more just like, you know, meat, vegetables, the kind of natural foods. Um, and it took us a while to kind of see those issues um and and to kind of adjust their behavior and i think the social media media thing will be the same i think we'll you know we're already having conversations about like the harms around kind of overuse of social media or the way people are using it um you know like the way kids are growing up with it and things um and and we'll start to kind of adjust to that as well so i think hopefully it'll mean that um you know, we go back to having more healthier discourse where people, you know, a bit more tolerant of people that think differently to them. So we can share ideas a bit more of a of an easier way um, and that people maybe get that kind of curiosity again. Let's hope so. The podcast is called Curiosity Cake and Lee Delaney from Curiosity Cake will be back next week to talk about his other life as a data analyst with the civil service. Back to the chart now and at number five, Power, the Maxwells. Everyone's heard of Ghislaine Maxwell, but there's a shadowy figure who hangs above her. Her father, the media tycoon Robert Maxwell. His rise from nothing to fall from the deck of his superyacht under mysterious circumstances is straight out of a crime novel. The Maxwells is a seven-part series from something else. Number four, The Harry Redknapp Show. This is a brand new podcast and Harry's first guest is Piers Morgan. Number three, two decorators and a microphone from the father and son team of Trevor and Ryan Mangan. What podcasts do you guys listen to? Bob Mortimer. Um, yeah? That's, that's a great podcast. We like that. Yeah, uh, Athletic Minutes is a good one. It's, I'm a big fan of Bill Burr's podcast as well. It's just him. On his own, and, he and rambles. somehow he manages to carry a full like hour podcast with no guests. No guests. Occasionally he'll have a guest, but most of the time it's just him sat at his computer and he carries it the entire time. It's really good. And it's is it a- like his stand-up where he's just going on about stuff that pisses him off? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> so he could be going on about his daughter. He could be talking about his just life in general, and then he could be going off 
on a really angry tangent. I don't even watch American sports. I spent 45 minutes listening to him talk about classic NFL games. I don't even watch American football. <laughs> I'm really into it. Like, oh, did they actually do that? And like the Oakland Raiders back in the day, apparently, they just didn't play football, they played boxing. They went out there to <laughs> beat up everyone. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I like, there's a good couple of history podcasts. There's... Um, the his- uh, Pax Britannica is a good one. Mysterious Universe. Mysterious Don't Universe. That. That's Don't, a good one. Oh, that'll blow your mind. That's like a sci-fi. Um, it's Myster- not sci-fi. Yeah, it's sort of sci-fi podcast, but really good toursy blokes. The Mysterious Universe. Trouble is, you have to listen. They relate to previous podcasts. Don't oh yeah, but you, you just got to dive in. Just yeah. dive in and start listening. There's no. You'll there's no on it. good place to start, is it? No. Because wherever. And who yeah. hosts that? Um, Two Australians called um, Aaron and Amy. Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. And and when do you listen to them? Do you listen to them in the van or do you listen to radio in the van? Driving to work or at work. At work, yeah. Put my headphones in, I'll listen to it. The Dollop, that's a really good one. There's this one on, I don't know where these, this. Yeah, Dan Carlin does good history podcasts. Dublin. Are you still listening to Dublin? Podcast. Yeah, Dublin's good as well, isn't it? Yeah, Dublin's yeah. funny. It's yeah. Irish. That is funny. But so, so I mean, whereas it used to be you had the radio on all day at work, now people do do other stuff. I remember when I was air conditioning engineer, we never had the radio at work because I was doing service work. So you'd go to a, you'd go to a, it was a mad job. You'd go to a, a building in Sydney where the air conditioning wasn't working, it was stinking hot. You'd fix it, and as soon as it was working, you'd leave and go to another hot building. It was just a terrible job, but. You never had the radio on in the plant room or anything. It was always in the van. And I always remember when I had an apprentice in the van with me who always listened to a music station, but when it was just before podcasts. But when I was on my own, I just used to listen to talk stations because I just wanted the company. Yeah, yeah. No, I listened to, I was listening to an audio book yesterday. Yeah. Oh, they're good. Yeah. But that was, um, that was, I think it was 15 powerful words. None of them are swear words. No, I was going to say, I've got, nah, I've got 15 very powerful words. What was, the, what was the most powerful one? Oh, no, it's just when you're talking to customers or you want them to, um, you know, you want to bring them around. It's just ways of phrasing sentences in a different way so that it's always positive and it's not so yeah. negative. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. That's the thing that's, that we've learned quite a bit in this as well, is that a lot of the time how you phrase something is very important. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I listened to an audio book about negotiating and in negotiate because you know in radio I was freelance for a long time and yeah you, you only get paid what deal you can negotiate and these are real you know big radio groups they're really good at, at screwing you as you probably know from even small radio groups um, and so you had to be good at it but there was one you're not so in a negotiation you're not supposed to push because they'll push back so if you think you're being ripped off everything inside you wants to say you're ripping me off but you can't what you have to say is you know what i'm feeling ripped off Mm -hmm. and it works a treat because you're not pushing them but you're getting the message across that you think you're worth more yeah what what the other thing i from one of this from this audio but i listened to yesterday um, they reckon but's quite powerful because anything you say up to a but when you yeah they only listen to everything after a but. Yeah, so, you're supposed to say and, aren't you? It's like a full stop, so, yeah. Is it yeah. and you're supposed to say? No, yeah, in a different way. I can't remember. I suppose you can phrase it like, um, 
I can't give you the full price, but I can give you 120. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they do. Yeah, everything before they 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 sort of ignore that. Every, yeah, everything up to a book they they ignore, and then everything after they remember because I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. It's, well, um, I had a I had a customer the other day where we were painting a room one solid color. It was just like a, a pastely pink sort of thing. Um, and she had this light blue out in the hallway. And she come in and she was like, "Oh, either side of the chimney breast." I was thinking maybe about putting the blue. And that was a turn on every sort of negotiating power that I had to convince her not to put the blue. <laughs> we would have been there for like another hour. Yeah. You know, it's like you've got to wait for that coat to dry yeah. to then cut in this one. And if it doesn't cut in right, you're then going back over it. Everything in my retinue to get her to, well, no, I think that you're putting too much in here because the contrast against your nice white furniture will be enough. You don't want them to contrast against another different colour. You can it to Lawrence yeah. and Bowie. Yeah, you? and then she goes, oh, yeah, you've got quite a keen eye for colour, don't you, Ryan? Like, no, not really, <laughs> but I just don't want you to put any more paint on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, I was just about to get in the van and you were talking about putting another colour on. That's why I'm a good colour consultant now. So I don't want to do it. You're forcing me into it. Do you find yourself trying to push them into a particular colour if you've got a load of tins of that left over from another job? Does that ever happen? Yeah, we're trying with Magnolia, but it's just not catching. <laughs> Two decorators and a microphone at number three this week on the pod 20. At number two, Into the Grey Zone from Sky News. What do assassinations, cyber hacks and disinformation have in common? They're all weapons used by states against each other in a grey zone of harm that sits deliberately under the threshold of war, but could be just as dangerous if ignored. Into the Grey Zone, from Sky News, number two this week. And at number one, for the sixth week in a row. Grounded with Louis Theroux. Louis' latest guest is the actor Riz Ahmed. That's it for episode 38 of the Pod 20. Thanks to this week's guest pod stars, Lee Delaney, Tom Fordyce, Trevor and Ryan Mangan, and Andy Smith. My guests next week are Chance and Bobby from the podcast Over a Pint. The podcast is basically two blokes having a drink together talking. I bet lockdown's had an effect, doesn't it? Well, yeah, we've uh, had to make do at the moment because when we launched the podcast, we were originally planning to meet up and do it all in person, just with each other in the same room. Um, to just be talking over a pint, but then lockdown hit and we weren't supposed to be mixing. So we thought, you know, we don't want to look bad. We'll do it over Zoom. We don't want to, you know, break the rules for the sake of the podcast. So we'll stick to doing it over Zoom for now. And it's been going all right since over Zoom instead. It's been going great. And we'll find out more about it next week over a pint. If you'd like to watch extended video chats with my guests, check them out on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And what will happen on the chart next week? Will Louis Theroux hang on for a seventh week at the top? Maybe your favourite podcast will be number one. Find out with me, Graham Mack, and influence the chart by making a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. 
It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.